All right, all right, all right. What's up, guys? Welcome to The Organic Guy Podcast. I'm your host, The Organic Guy. This is your home of organic conversations where you get to hear from various personalities in the organic movement. And today, I am super, super excited to be joined by Mr. Lee Holstock, who is a senior business um, and trade development manager at the Soil Association. The Soil Association is the UK's biggest uh, organic certifiers and uh, played a really key role in um, founding the global organic movement. Mr. Lee, thank you very much for joining me in the podcast. You're welcome. Really excited to be involved. Nice. Yeah, uh, from the look of things, I mean, seems like you've been heavily involved in the organic sector, especially you've been working with uh, the Soil Association, I think, for over 20 years now. Um, yeah, so you can give us a little bit of a context how you found yourself uh, in the organic movement in the first place. Yeah, of course. Well, it seems like a very long time ago now. Um, I left uh, university with a degree in, in environmental sciences, spent yeah. a little bit of time working in banking. And, you know, it was very clear to me for, for that point that this wasn't really for me. Um, and I've always really uh, believed in this idea that the, the commercial world, business world has an important role to play yeah. in mitigating loss of biodiversity, and damage the environment and and i i recall uh, studying uh, back in 1994-1995 yeah. uh, a case study of a pharmaceutical company called Merck who worked with a Costa Rican rainforest uh, authority called InBio, called the Merck InBio Agreement, yeah. where the rainforest was uh, essentially a drug company were, were paying for the protection of the rainforest so that the rainforest could continue to yield samples for development of new pharmaceuticals. Yeah. And I remember thinking that that's, you know, that's how it should work work this this relationship or cooperation so when i uh, when i saw that the soil association were looking to recruit people yeah. i very much saw that organization as a great example of uh, a business that were trying to join the dots between the needs of of, of uh, consumers yeah. uh, reality that we buy products but also trying to uh, as my as my ecology lecturer used to call it softening the matrix making that land that the product comes from uh, more hospitable, less polluted. So yeah, I, I signed on the dotted line in a, in a, in a real hurry and I'm, I've never looked back. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's a nice touch as well to yeah your history on how you uh, joined the movement. So, and then there's no doubt that the United Kingdom has played a really important role, especially during the early years of the organic movement. So we have, um, I mean, Personally, I've read about uh, Sir Albert Howard and his influence to the start of the organic movement. And also we're seeing how Yves Bulford also played a huge role, especially also in establishing the Soil Association. So from your perspective, growing up was um, organic something that was being talked a lot in Great Britain or in the United Kingdom as well. And you can sort of give us an overview of how you've seen the history of the organic movement develop from uh, yeah, those in the 1930s, the founders trying to bring it up and where we are at the moment. Yeah, of course. And I'm always fascinated that our founders referred to organic as closed farming. Yeah. Uh, the word organic didn't really appear, uh, I guess, until the 1960s, 70s. But originally, the, the concept was about closing the loop around that farm, making sure that you could be self-sufficient, you wouldn't yeah. have to rely on external inputs. 
and and I think the interesting thing about our founders were the parallels I see in uh, with them and some of the some of the the founders of some of our very strongest organic brands now yeah. in the UK. Um, and I, and I, interestingly, this common this common kind of uh, origin is that a lot of these people were travellers. They yeah. were thinkers and travellers. They they travelled around the world. And I, and I think of McCarrison, who was, uh, you know, in particular, uh, was somebody who travelled to to look at agricultural systems uh, with a very, you know, imperial head on initially. His, yeah. The idea was that he was going to take, uh, you know, new agricultural ideas to yeah. developing countries and show them how to farm in the modern way. Yeah. And the, the interesting thing is, like so many other uh, people that were involved in the early formation of sort of association the, the 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 outcome was actually the other way around they learned far more from yeah. these farmers than they could teach them and particularly this connection between uh those those farming communities who really looked after their soil who were you know really made a kind of uh, a point of caring for for the soil yeah. it was it was noticed that there was a, a definite increase in the health of the people in those communities so we started to see this common observation that was made independently by different founders of the movement that, you know, we, we there is a link here and hence Lady Eve Balfour and, and Albert Howard's idea that healthy soil should ultimately lead to healthy plants, healthy animals and, and healthy people. Yeah. So that was really where it came from. And, and again, I've met a number of brand founders in organic, whether it's the 1960s, 70s, 80s, who themselves have had their eyes opened by travel, whether it's going to somewhere where the the food and the and the healthcare is unfamiliar, it's a different approach, and they've got very ill, and they found that food is um, one of the most effective medicines that you can rely on, or whether again their their experience was directly in seeing the the amazing results from farming in a in a manner that doesn't rely on on agrochemicals or the or the big global agrochemical industry. Yeah. So yeah. I, I think that was um, that's quite a, uh, an interesting kind of uh, uh, link between our founders and some of the people who've come into the movement. And for me, yeah. going through the 1980s, 1990s, when I was young, I think probably organic was still pretty obscure in the UK. It was still a niche market. Yeah. I, I suspect, like many, we had you had an awareness that there was something going on there. Maybe it was some hippies who were <laughs> doing it. It felt very much like, um, uh, you know, uh, other other sort of approaches which are still incredibly important val valid yeah. uh, that you still hear about uh, these days uh, like macrobiotics and stuff like this um, but very niche but I think really as I the point where I started to get involved and join the sword association that was the real point where organic was turning the corner yeah. uh, and in the first few years I worked at soil association we were we were emerging from being a fairly sort of small organization yeah. to suddenly one that everybody wanted to play with and everyone wanted to talk to so it was a really really exciting period yeah. um the early noughties in particular yeah yeah for sure i can i can imagine in that period and yeah i was just wondering i mean when you're seated maybe you know different organizations in the organic movement especially i mean you do meet uh, some of these brands um do you feel like you have that extra um motivation sort of uh do well in the organic movement because you have such a rich history of uh, founders of the organic movement in your area so that you can sort of bear the torch in terms of how organic is supposed to be done and or how organic um, is doing generally? 
Yeah, I think that history, that foundation is really, really important. Uh, it keeps us focused on the, the reasons for organic. And the Soil Association is is uh, it's taken some of those principles and it's really applying it beyond organic now. So yeah. one of the things that leads our strategy currently is a wider organisation because we're actually one of the um, lead uh, FSC Forestry Stewardship Council certifiers. We, we certify an area of forest uh, yeah. globally around the sides of the UK. Uh, we're very much involved in delivering not just organic, but healthily, freshly prepared food to schools, hospitals, public sector. So our remit is getting bigger. Um, it's becoming more generally uh, around this idea of connecting the dots between uh, climate emergency, yeah. the need to protect nature, and the health of not just uh, us directly as a result of what we eat, but the environment around us. So the climate, nature, health agenda is is you know becoming important. We're in a hurry here. Yeah. We've got ten <laughs> years to do some radical stuff. So we yeah. can't just talk within the organic bubble. We have to speak more broadly outside that. And you know, if you're a farmer that wants to be eighty percent organic, fifty percent organic, we think organic will always be up there yeah. at the top as the leading, cutting edge, leading edge approach. But we yep. still want to talk to anyone who has yep. something to add in that conversation about our food and farming systems, whether that's agroforestry, people who want to grow more trees on their yep. land and benefit from horizontal and vertical crops, yep. or uh, whether they're actually interested in just bringing fresh, unprocessed food to their local community. Yep. There's lots of different ways that we can address climate, nature and health. Um, but again, organic is a really, really, really well-established important way to go about that yeah i mean i definitely agree in terms of if if we are going to succeed of course we have to form a broader coalition of people who sort of have similar values and similar beliefs so that we can sort of expand that um, horizon as well so let's talk about well-established market i think um, um the 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 uk organic market right now is valued around two billion uh, pounds um and so i'm just wondering when you look at you compare with other European countries as well, um, it's not as up there as in I I would expect just from not looking really at the numbers. But yeah, when you look at countries like Germany, for example, France, Italy, are probably doing pretty well. Um, so from your perspective, I mean, you're heavily involved in this market. Why do you think those numbers are where they are, and what do you look at the bigger picture when you look those um, at those kind of numbers? Sure. Yeah. And I've seen in the last uh, seven to 10 years, the UK slipping from being the fourth largest organic market globally by value to I think we're now the 11th. Yeah. Um, that's not necessarily a sign of our lack of success because we've seen almost entirely uh, growth during that period. I think we've just seen more growth yeah. elsewhere. Yeah. Uh, and there's a lot of reasons for that. It, it's a complex picture. I think that out there in in uh, in Europe, other European countries, there have been more cohesive, joined-up plans around organic organic yeah. strategies, uh, which have been very strongly government-led. Yeah. Uh, I'd look to countries like Denmark, for example, where they have uh, they're the second highest per capita spenders on organic product in in uh, in the world after Switzerland. 
And they have this, as I say, very, very joined up kind of government back, government supported strategy. Um, yeah. But in the UK, unfortunately, we are a, a little bit more inclined politically to leave these things to the market. Yeah. Uh, we have had um, some support, but it, again, it makes it gives it gives the, a leg up. Uh, to a market, if you if you do get that joined up, you know, cohesive government support, particularly in terms of financial support for yeah. uh, farmers who want to convert, um, and I I think uh, you know in countries such as France, where uh, the bio ambition plan has seen 22 million euros invested in supply chain organic supply chains alone. Yeah. Um, recent years, just to try and give that a whole boost and lift it because those governments in those nations recognize the broader contribution that organic can make in terms of ecosystem services and public good and we're still really in the middle of that conversation in the uk and and there is certainly an ambition in the uk to improve the environmental footprint of of uh, farming there are some contradictory policies that make us scratch our heads occasionally and wonder if that's uh, you know if it's as joined up as it could be um, but what we're not seeing is quite the level of very specific, uh, um, you know, ambition in terms of supporting organic farmers specifically. So that that's one of the factors, I think, that that uh, is a challenge. And again, in the UK, we we're very strongly led by supermarkets. I think in you know, in the last 10 years, uh, approximately 70 percent to three quarters of all organic sales have gone through. Uh, a small number of our, our large supermarkets and yeah. their level of commitment, the ability to, you know, invest in it, their, their willingness to expand, you know, is is very much controls the organic market in the UK. Yeah. Um, I'm pleased to say, I think that the, they are stepping up to the plate, increasingly on organic, most of them, they really are now starting to see that it has to be firmly in their strategy that consumers are becoming more planet centric that organic is a shortcut for many to a healthier sustainable product yeah. um so so that is changing but historically it's it's uh, again it's been a limiter to growth in this, the other countries for example germany and france who've got much uh, more uh, of an independent retail market yeah. uh, you know in both those countries more than 50 percent historically of, of organic has gone out through independent retailers it's given given them much more sort of flexibility and room to grow yeah okay let's talk about a leg up uh, in terms of uh your market um uh, covid uh, you know hit us last year and um yeah i was reading i was you know was part of the um, um the presentation that you gave during uh biofac and um yeah in the report you saw you know there was sort of an increase in sales during this covid period um what are some of the other trends that you really observed during this period that you know were of interest to you and sort of were um, sort of uh, showing you something uh, in the organic market during this period. Yeah, I mean, I think the the exciting news is that we have uh, we've we've seen a year on year growth in single digit in organic in the UK. This last year in twenty twenty, we saw twelve point six percent value growth. So that's that's the best year we've had, I think, yeah. in fifty years. And COVID is very much <laughs> behind that. Yeah. I think several. Factors. I think, first of all, consumers becoming uh, much more focused on their own personal health, taking responsibility for their own personal health. Yeah. And again, um, we can't honestly hand on heart go out there and say that in all cases, organic products are 
always going to be healthier are going to directly the research has not been done yeah. we would need decades of research with very very focused con in, in controlled groups um, but what we do know is that organic food is different nutritionally yeah. there's been research conducted that's uh, been very thorough which has shown that actually the the, the product is different yeah. um, but I think what's important is that there is that understanding amongst consumers that organic you know for them does equate to health yeah. uh, and they want to take control of that uh, so more purchasing of, of what seem to be healthier products i think has helped us yeah. equally uh more shopping online mm -hmm. uh, uk has always been quite enthusiastic about online shopping and of course covid is, has propelled that uh, historically yeah. we have always been arguably reliant on or online sales the the box scheme uh, has grown significantly in the uk in the last decade yeah. uh, and in fact i think the very first box scheme in the uk going back 25 30 years ago was an initiative that the soil association were involved in mm. uh, with farmers at the time so that's been our way to historically to get organic product directly into the hands of consumers when perhaps Supermarkets in the past have not been quite so enthusiastic in the UK about ranging products as they've been in, in uh, other countries. Yeah. Um, so we're blessed with a sort of a good deal of representation online and some options for consumers already. So, of course, when online became much more of interest mm. uh, to consumers, organics really benefited from that. And, and again, the advantage of online is if you're thinking about sustainability, yeah. if you're thinking about uh reasons to purchase online consumers can get much more information about what they're buying uh, at the point of purchase yeah. and that's critical for organic if, if if i think if i could take every consumer mm -hmm. in the uk on one of our sort of association learning day farm walks take them around for the day with a farm manager and show them the difference and yeah. actually the enthusiasm and passion and the real change at ground level that the farmer themselves is witnessing um, I, I'm I'm pretty sure that we would be ten times more organic uh, sales every year. So I think information is really key. It, it's yeah. not always very easy to communicate yeah. what a whole system approach to farming is, where you're not just picking individual things like animal welfare mm. or reducing pesticides, but you're doing it all at yeah. once to get balance. It's not easy to communicate, mm. but when people uh, and customers and consumers start to get some insight into that, it makes a lot of difference. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, do you think um, this particular kind of trend is going to go past the COVID itself? For, for example, the increased purchase of organic, as you just mentioned, or these are probably trends that are going to win off as we probably people get out of the COVID um, situation? I think there's a two factors that are, are quite important there. I think mm. general health of the UK economy. Mm. I think what we have seen in the past is that um, where where there's been uh, even the threat of an economic downturn can sometimes cause uh, your retailers to sort of view organic as, as a part of a wider premium yeah. uh, approach. Yeah. Now, I would that there's a very different reason for the premium in an organic product and it's very much more justifiable um, or, or certainly not that a premium is not always justifiable but by that I mean you can explain it in terms of arguments like true cost that the the producer of that food isn't trying to hide the impacts of that the the product is washing its own face yeah. so but unfortunately it isn't always that differentiation hasn't always been made historically 
And in the past, retailers have said, you know, people are not going to have the money in three months time. We're in a downturn. We're going to clear this stuff off the shelves. And we certainly saw that in 2008 uh, in the last global downturn. And that was, you know, not good for organic. We feel we're in a much stronger position now. Um, We've got enough ranging out there. Enough habits have been formed on the Mm. part of consumers. And also that's set against the backdrop of, of a much, much better understanding thanks to greta thanks to netflix documentaries like cows everything from cowspiracy to yeah. uh, you know um uh, the many many others around that are drawing attention particularly amongst younger consumers to food and farming all those things are really helping improve people's understanding so i think that you know this time it's certainly going to stick a lot better than it has in the past regardless of what happens with the economy yeah yeah i certainly hope so too i mean um the trends we are seeing in terms of now people can take their health seriously even in the long term because you never know what's going to happen so i think that's something that might um stick for yeah quite a long period of time talking of things that have already happened brexit did happen and did and um yeah there were some um yeah uncertainties if there was going to be a deal or not did that did happen so you can maybe take us through what are some of the experiences you've had so far since the deal happened and how have been businesses dealing with it? Have have they coped with the deal so far? And yeah, what is the overall feel and energy around Brexit? Yeah, I, I think uh, I think Brexit has been an incredibly challenging time for the UK food and drink industry generally. Uh, and, I, and organic is no exception. Yeah. In fact, I'd argue that we have faced additional challenges one of the advantages of having a regulatory framework around you in the way that we have in organic is that it means that businesses have to compete on a level playing field, that you can't simply sell your product as organic and not have gone to the efforts that others have, yeah. not to have opened yourself up to the same level of scrutiny, so the certification and inspection. Yeah. Um, so it's right that there is there is a, a regulatory uh, protection, but equally, that 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 which that cage that protects you from the outside world is also your prison. So, um, in yeah. some cases, uh, it, it's 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 created some challenges, particularly where there is not a regulatory alignment with the EU. Mm-hmm. And Brexit has really brought those to the fore. So, I think at the moment, uh, you know, we are we're working really hard to overcome the challenges. We there have certainly been additional certification requirements now for movement of goods from GB yeah. into into Europe. Um, we've had a long historic uh, and very uh, you know healthy trading relationship with Europe. We we in the UK uh, buy a lot of raw materials from European uh, uh, traders and wholesalers, and we also export a lot of finished product uh, yeah. back to you. So. Um, but but some of that business, you know, we, we've gone through a period of uncertainty, I think it's fair to say, um, because there are some gaps in the trade and cooperation agreement. I think some gaps that weren't anticipated that we are now uh, trying to work, uh, you know, work solutions around. Yeah. Um, I, equally, you know, we are sensing that, unfortunately, um, because of the additional workload paperwork that Brexit represents, then inevitably there are um uh businesses within europe who who are maybe less inclined to trade with the uk now yeah. uh, and certainly we're, we're sensing that sort of loss of goodwill in some 
some quarters, which is really sad to see yeah. um, and sad to see anything that would get in the way of our, our collective uh, drive just to kind of improve food, improve farming and do that together. So we're working on it. But, yeah, there are still some challenges there. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's sad to see. I mean, I can also see the struggle that yeah, maybe some business. Uh, yeah, you're there. You're thinking do I need to go through all this paperwork, all this kind of stuff to export my products and what are some of the things I'm going to get there? So that can be um, a tough decision for business to make and certainly not a good side to see from an organic perspective, market sort of being um, yeah, reduced or not being available to some of the people who might want to access that particular market. Um, yeah, another area that I would like to get your feel or your observation so far on how um yeah people are reacting is what is the conversation around regenerative right now it's um a very hot topic people are talking a lot about it what what is your feel on the ground um from organic farmers for example and organic practitioners are they sort of um embracing the regenerative movement as a whole or are they seeing it from a competition a competition point of view where maybe they might see probably going to take a share of the mar- of the organic um, market so how are you seeing this conversation going especially right now sure i mean it's it's very early days in the uk and i think the important thing to to reflect on is that uh, where re- the regenerative agricultural movement originated and in the us yeah. uh, regenerative organic uh, has has inevitably emerged because of a uh, sort of sense that the, the the federal framework for organic in the US is not strong enough. So yeah. uh, there is there is a, um, a feeling that the 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 national organic program standards in the US historically have been too focused on on inputs, uh, the, the what you shouldn't put into the farm and less of a conversation around what you should be putting into the farm. Yeah. Um, I think in the UK and Europe, we're in a slightly different position because mm-hmm. there has always been within our organic standards uh, an element of the regenerative, yeah. uh, whether that's restricting uh, practices, whether it's encouraging other uh, fertility building practices. I mean, we, we, are, we are already to a degree covering that, but equally further to my original point around the broader church uh, mm. uh, of sustainable uh, food and farming, then there will be those farmers who maybe don't want to be completely organic, but they would like to buy into some of the, the either organic practices or regenerative practices. And we would really applaud that because yeah. fundamentally your, your practices are changing so that you're a uh, uh, a net accumulator of, for example, soil carbon yeah. uh, or biodiversity is is expanding in your farm. Then, however you achieve it, then then great. We still would would suggest that organic is the is the leading edge because it tries to balance the whole system. Mm. And certainly, over the many years I've worked in organic, I've seen individual parts of that system yeah. uh, taken out, uh, whether it's antibiotic free certification. Mm or non-GMO verified, and this often begins in the US, uh, where businesses see an opportunity to sell the product on one of those attributes. Uh, and I think that, that, that that's all helping, it's all contributing, mm. but I don't think there's any substitute uh, for actually bringing all those together into one systematic approach. Yeah. The only question is, can that, you know, can that move fast enough? Mm. Uh, to solve the problems that we urgently need to solve. And I think a, a mixed approach will be necessary. Yeah, yeah, that's a very good perspective as well to just note there's a difference between, yeah, 
how how the organic movement is in the in the European Union, especially in Europe, and the the difference in the United States. Of course, the erosion of standards there, um, causing a lot of um, yeah, different reactions to that. So I think yeah, that's also a very important point to mark as well. Um, so in terms of challenges, um, we talked, we mentioned a little bit earlier about um, um, yeah, the total market not being as high as it should. You know, mm-hmm. from experience. Um, you have all these years you've been in the organic movement. What are some of the challenges, like specific challenges you've seen uh, the organic movement has have encountered in terms of trying to expand that market more to other consumers? I think that um, the diversified routes to market is really mm. important, and that yeah. includes export. We in the UK uh, don't export as much organic food and drink as we do food and drink generally. So mm. our own work has suggested it might be uh, you know, 20, 19 to 20% of food and drink in the UK is exported. We think there might be half that yeah. uh, percentage for organic. So there are opportunities there for UK companies to uh, take their product further. And if that improves their 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 overall sales volumes, the scale of economy, then that's yeah. great because it helps them to do more organic business generally. Mm. Um, I think equally, uh, you know, in the past, this sort of uh, restricted ranging in our main core retailers are sort of seeing organic as a sort of a nice to have rather than something that's really important and core to the offer. And I'm really pleased to see that is is changing significantly. Mm. And I think really one of the biggest barriers that arguably we still face is that um, it's a complex message organic to understand oh. why you as a consumer, uh, if you're, you know, you're short on time, you're busy, you yeah. want to understand how <laughs> how picking up that particular product is is a positive choice and you want to understand that quickly the complex message of again how the system of agriculture on balance is uh, a better approach yeah. how that relates to you personally uh, and and then of course you enter into conversations there about cost yeah. uh, organic food is is inevitably because it doesn't attempt to hide the cost of its impacts on the world yeah. whether that's carbon whether that's pollution it can't compete on shelf with a product that does that hides those costs uh, and pushes them elsewhere so there is a very uh uh heated conversation that's gone on for some years in the uk around the the, the cost of organic and how accessible that is to people on lower incomes. And and I think that's one of the real anxieties and challenges for the organic movement, that we feel good food is a right, not a privilege, that everyone should have access to that. So we can't can't subsidize the food that's on the shelf. We can't uh, bring the price of that down. We can only appeal to consumers to look at their priorities. You know, food is important. uh, And if they possibly uh, afford to spend more than then you know buying the right products we would encourage them to do that but equally for those that don't have that the freedom of that choice then we can help in other ways and that's mm. one of the big drivers for our really uh successful and important food for life uh a partnership that we we've led for over 10 years now which has resulted in literally millions of meals every single working day yeah. uh, going into schools hospitals uh, and other settings where we know it's really important to for organic to be one of the solutions but also fundamentally for that food to be you know freshly prepared for it not to have the nasty additives 
and to make sure that you know particularly in in less uh, areas where where people are less privileged less wealthy that that you know these meals may be the only meal that child is getting that mm. day so you know we have our we have other ways to address this uh, uh, you know food poverty food inequality it isn't just through organic but yeah. Where people can afford organic, you know, we we still think the price is very much justified. So, I think that and the the the, the complex message around trust, integrity, sustainability, health, all those things are are ongoing challenges for organic. Yeah. But I think, as we mentioned earlier, the way people buy organic, the mm. way that they uh, get their information around their choices is changing. The yeah. general awareness of of how food and farming uh, and the environment all fit together is growing. So I think that's really positive for organic moving forward. All right. Uh, before I let you go, I'd like to get a bit of um prediction from you. I mean, when you look at the organic sector right now, especially in the United Kingdom, where do you see, it, um, let's say, five to 10 years from now? And what are some of the areas when you look from an organic perspective that gets you excited? Wow. Well, I, I think... At the moment, I think there's some, I can only really speak about it from a sort of market and certification perspective. Mm. I think from a market perspective, we've got plenty more ceiling for growth. I mean, in the UK at the moment, as great as growth has been in organic food and drink, we're yeah. still under 2% of all food and drink. So we've got a, a long way to go in terms of, you know, winning the, the, the trust of new consumers, getting them to try organic products. And, and I'm confident that uh, many consumers would not turn back once they've tried uh, some of the fantastic products that there are out there. Yeah. Um, and, and, and indeed, many people historically who are quite uh, 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 loyal to organic see, see our, our symbol there over my shoulder as, yeah. as a shortcut to a quality mark because their experience of the products is, is so very often so positive. Yeah. So we've got to get people to try products and, and understand the basics. And I think we've got a lot of uh, movement there. I think in terms of certification, it's an really interesting. I think we we set up the certification uh, subsidiary sort association certification at sort association uh, back in 1973 uh, when I was still a twinkle in someone's <laughs> eye. You know, so that is a very very long time ago. And one of the reasons for setting standards and creating certification yeah. uh, was not just to protect uh, our market, but also. Um, it was really about um, compensating for the anonymity in our food supply chains. You know, mm. you and I cannot walk into uh, factories, big factories. You know, there are rules, there yeah. is biosecurity, uh, and understandably so. But we can't do that. So, so certification in many ways is the uh, we're the eyes and ears of the consumer, yeah. uh, and that's why we 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 you know propose our symbol as a symbol of trust. Yeah. Um, but equally, and we're independent and, and we are a not-for-profit and that's really important. But in the future, I think information technology is advancing so fast that there may be, there's there's a great deal of scope for more transparency for mm. consumers to virtually uh, visit places to get more information about the supply chain and importantly, where their product has come from and how that's affected the people that grow that product and yeah. the environment in that in the area. And if we can show this information in a robust and credible and trustworthy way, then maybe the role of certifiers will change. And yeah. I think uh, maybe it won't, but it's certainly an area uh, I personally find really interesting, the, the whole issue of how traceability, transparency and trust will change with technology. Yeah. All right, Mr. Lee, thank you very much for creating time 
to join me in this particular podcast. For me, it was such an absolute pleasure. I had a lot of insights that I didn't have before uh, these conversations on how um, the organic movement is in Great Britain and what is the feel around um, the organic movement and this market so far. So for me, it was such an interesting conversation. I'm sure um, a lot of the listeners will find this conversation help, helpful too moving forward. My pleasure. I, I, thank you for for, uh, for including me. I've, I've uh, really enjoyed talking to you uh, this afternoon. So thanks again.